I'm surprised that Rashi and Rabbi David Kimchi have not, with the Targum, applied them to the Messiah likewise. Even the Aramaic paraphrase applies certain parts of this to the Messiah. So what did the Rabbi Altshuler say? I am surprised that Rashi and David Kimchi did not apply to the Messiah. Now that you know who this person asked, the person is, Lord Jesus save us from stammering. He's now deceased. Let's go back and see what he says about Isaiah 53. And the rabbis hiding information from the masses out of fear of Christians. Okay, here's what he says. Now, before I quote him, go down to see where I'm quoting from. Because you may have to click on the link to show them the actual article. Okay, is there a link? Not yet. Be, uh, keep on. Right there. There we have. I can get it from the web archive. Click on it. So they already done. Okay, there it goes. This is the article. This is Imam Shochet. Dr. Berger, he's responding to some other Jew, relies heavily on arguments in medieval, sick, he misspelled it, polemics. It is of major concern to him that one of the defining characteristics of Judaism in a Christian world will have been erased by the possibility of a resurrected Messiah. He's quoting this man's work. In truth, of course, watch what he says. This is Emmanuel Shoket, guys, an Orthodox rabbinic Jew who hates Christianity. He's dead now. Now he realizes that Jesus is Messiah and God, but too late for him, unless he repented and confessed him before he died. In truth, of course, in truth, of course, the Jewish faith is defined by its own tradition and not by its differences from Christianity. Now, let me explain what he means here. We don't define Judaism in response to Christianity. I don't redefine, reinterpret Judaism in order to refute Christians. I define Judaism as has, as has been defined for centuries by rabbis long before Jesus and during Jesus. I don't redefine Judaism, reinterpret Judaism in response to Christianity. That's not what we do. That's what Shokat is saying. And I appreciate his honesty. Watch what he says. Polemical debates, regardless of its participants, are neither definitive nor authoritative. The Talmudic rabbis engage in such debates as well. Now watch what he says. Oftentimes, they conceded, they admitted that they rebuffed their opponents with straw or broken reeds, i.e., that their responses were no more than polemical tactics and not their true positions. Do you understand what this rabbi just told you? Wow. Like the Muslims, the filthy Talmudic rabbis would use lies, deceit, and trickery like Ali Atai to deceive Christians on what they really believed about the Old Testament. Who's admitting it? The rabbi. Got it? So the rabbis would admit among themselves, yeah, we use a straw broken reed. In other words, we use lies, deceit to silence them. Because if we told them the truth, that we agree with them, this is what the Old Testament means, then they would expose us and prove Jesus is the Messiah. See that? Now, notice the example he gives. Are you ready? 
the example he gives. A typical example would be the Jewish response about the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Look what example he gives, guys. Let me give you an example how the rabbis will lie and deceive Christians by showing you what they did with Isaiah 53 in response to Christians. The polemicists follow the majority opinion of medieval Jewish exegetes that it speaks of the Jewish people as opposed to the Christian claim that it speaks of the Messiah. This view is found also among the Talmudic rabbis. Now notice his admission. Talk about the Lord Jesus getting this heathen to admit the truth. It does not negate, however, the validity of the pervasive Talmudic, Midrashic, Zoharic, Midrash, Talmud, Zohar, interpretation that the subject of that chapter is indeed Mashiach. Bam! I can end it right here. I can end exactly. it right here. You call what he said? Mm -hmm. This does not refute, refute that the pervasive, widespread interpretation of Isaiah 53, the widespread, pervasive interpretation of the Talmud, Midrash, and Zohar is that Isaiah 53 is about Messiah, Mashiach. Okay? In this, in this self same context, Dr. Berger draws ammunition for his attack from the fact that Christian missionaries now argue that the claims of Messiahship for the Lubavitcher, 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 Lubavitcher Rebbe, that's Rabbi Schneerson who died, support and vindicate the Christian allegations of a second coming. Now, if you don't understand what this means is, many of the followers of Rabbi Schneerson who died claim that he'll be resurrected and he'll return because he's the Mashiach. And so the Christians say, see, even ultra-Orthodox Jews, right? The Hasidim, the followers of Rabbi Schneerson, interpret Isaiah 53 about Schneerson dying, will then be raised and sent, sent again. Now watch here. He ignores the fact he, this guy, Berger, ignores the fact that for the longest time, they have claimed that the authentic Jewish sources support and vindicate the Messiahship of Jesus. They keep republishing books, which cite numerous passages from the Talmud, from Talmud, Midrash, Zohar, Jewish Bible commentaries, and other works, to valid validate their arguments. So Christians quote Talmud, Midrash, Zohar, Jewish Bible commentaries to confirm the Christian interpretation of Isaiah 53. Now watch. Look what he says. Are we now to erase these quotations from our heritage? You see what he meant? They're quoting our sources. The Zohar does interpret Isaiah 53 about Messiah. So does Midrash and Talmud. Now what you want us to do, Berger? Erase them now? Expunge them from our books? It's in our books. They're right. Bam! They're right. Let, let that sink in for a minute. You got it? All right. Everyone got it? Because that was the first article. Now we're going to go to the second article where now I actually quote Jewish sources to see what the Jews said about Isaiah 52, verses 13, all the way to Isaiah 53, verse 12. So go to that article on Isaiah 52, 13. 13 and 12, right? Yes. So, Lord willing, I'll only need this part to finish my response to this liar 
who's like his prophet and his prophet like these rabbis, liars. Now notice the common thread among them. Notice that these rabbis and these Muslims share a common trait. They are liars, deceivers, <clears throat> and if they can get the chance, they're also murderers. These are all the fruits and characteristics of children of the devil, showing that they have one common father. Their father is the devil because Jesus said, Satan is a liar and a murderer. All who belong to Satan act like Satan and that they are liars and murderers. Right? There you go. Let's be like the apostles, like Paul. Let's be like Elijah. Let's be like the church fathers who would ridicule blasphemers, insult them. Let's be like St. Nicholas, who out of his love for the Lord Jesus, his zeal for the Lord Jesus, it says he either slapped or punched Arius for blaspheming against Jesus at the Council of Nicaea. These are the real warriors of Christ. All right, so now let's begin reading. Now, this is the other article. I'm now going to be quoting from Jewish sources. Here's how Jewish sources interpreted Isaiah 52, 13. Are you ready? This is a Jewish source, a rabbinic source. Are we ready before I start reading? First citation, let's read. According to this Jewish rabbinic source, Yalkut, Isaiah 52, 13, the servant who's exalted, lifted on high. Who is it? Watch. Who art thou, O great mountain? Zechariah 4, 7. This refers to the king Messiah. Bam, Ali. And why does he call him the great mountain? Why, why is Messiah called the great mountain? Because he is greater than the patriarchs. As it is said, my servant shall be high and lifted up and lofty, lofty exceedingly. So notice the rabbinic source says Messiah is greater than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because Isaiah 52, 13 is speaking of him. He will be higher than Abraham, who says, I will raise my hands unto the Lord. Genesis 14, 22. Lift it up above Moses, to whom it is said, lift it up into thy, into thy bosom. There's a typo there. They bosom. It's all right. Loftier than the ministering angels. Did you catch it? This Jewish source says, not only is Messiah higher, greater, better than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, he is higher, greater than the angels, of whom it is written, their wheels were lofty and terrible. And out of whom does he come forth? Out of David. <whistles> Scroll to the second paragraph. Right there. I will tell of the institution. Now notice this Jewish source. Yalkut Shimoni. Yalkut Shimoni. Shimonai. Book 2, page 571. Okay. Not only applies Isaiah 52, 13 to Messiah, notice what else it quotes. Psalm 2, verse 7. You laughing at me, bro? Mm-hmm. Okay, at least you're laughing at me. I will tell the institution, Psalm 2, 7, already are the words concerning my servant told in the institution of the Pentateuch, of the book of the prophets, and of Hagiographa, Hagiographa, holy writings. In the Pentateuch, where are they told? Israel is my firstborn, so Israel is my son. And the prophets where? Behold, my servant will deal prudently. And near to it, my servant whom I will uphold. That's Isaiah. I can't tell, man. Hold on, man. My eyes. Boy. 42 verse 1. Okay. In the Hagiographa, the holy writings, 
The Lord said to my Lord, and the Lord said unto me, that's Psalm 110, right? Mm -hmm. Verse 1 and 2, verse 7. So all of this is being applied to Messiah, who's part of the nation, who's a son of God. Let's read the second citation. This one's going to be mind-blowing. This one here will blow your mind. Let's read it slowly. Guys, here's where I need you to pay attention. This rabbinic source, notice how many Old Testament pass passages are ascribed to Messiah. He's going to quote not just Isaiah 52, 13, Daniel 7, 14, and 27. Psalm, a variety, a slew of Old Testament passages and ascribe all of them to the Messiah. Pay attention. Amen. I will now proceed to my exposition. Behold, my servant shall have understanding. That's Isaiah 52, 13. From the prophet's saying, understanding, it may be seen that all the lofty predicates which he assigns to him have their source in this attribute. In virtue of his comprehensive intelligence. Guys, if you're not going to pay attention, you won't be blown away with this source, what it's saying about Messiah. A Jewish rabbinic source. The Messiah's comprehensive intelligence. He will attain an elevation above that even of the most perfect men in the world. He will be more perfect, greater in understanding than the most perfect men of the world. <clears throat> Watch this. He shall be high and exalted and lofty exceedingly. That's Isaiah 52, 13. According to the Midrash of our rabbis, he will be higher than Abraham. Besides greater than Abraham. Who was first of all a high father. And afterwards a father of multitude. He'll be more exalted than Moses was exalted above the exalted ones of Levi, Numbers 3.32, who was a prophet such that none arose like him in Israel, Deuteronomy 34.10, who saved Israel with the great salvation, 1 Chronicles 11.14, when they came out of Egypt and the report of him spread into all places until the dukes of Edom, sheikhs of Edom were confounded before him and trembling seized the mighty men of Moab and all the inhabitants of Canaan melted away, Exodus 15.15. But this one will be exalted far above Moses. For when he gathers together our scattered ones from the four corners of the earth, he'll be exalted in the eyes of all the kings in the whole world. <clears throat> and all of them will serve him. Did you catch it? All the kings will serve this one. Where do you get this from? Where does Rabbi getting that all the kings will serve Mashiach and will exalt him above them as Daniel prophesies concerning him all nations peoples and tongues shall serve him daniel 7 14 27 whoa the rabbi says isaiah 52 13 and daniel 7 14 and 27 is about messiah being served by all nations and their kings okay he'll be loftier than solomon higher than solomon whose dignity was so lofty that he is set to have sat on the throne of the Lord. First Chronicles 29, 23. Now, here's where you're really going to get blown away. And our rabbis, not just me, our rabbis say that he was king over both the upper and the netherworld, Solomon. But the king Messiah, the king Messiah, if you had any doubt, he said about Messiah. Melech Mashiach. He's trying to impress you like Ali, the charlatan. It is all comprehending intelligence all comprehending intelligence will be loftier than solomon 
exceedingly above the ministering angels. He'll be higher than the angels because that same comprehensive intelligence will approach God more nearly than theirs. Oh my goodness. Wow. He says of all beings, the Messiah's intelligence will be more close to God's intelligence than even angels as great as they are. You catch it? Wow. Yeah, read it again. Exceedingly above the ministering angels, because that same comprehensive intelligence of the Messiah will approach God more nearly than theirs. As smart as angels are, smarter than humans, the Messiah will be even smarter than them, though human, because his intelligence will be closer to God than anyone else's intelligence. Now watch what he goes on to say. For it is an exceedingly high privilege that one whose nature is compound and material, meaning one who has a physical body, compound, made of created elements, of blood. What an honor that someone compound, unlike God who's immaterial and angels who are material, should attain to a grade of intelligence more nearly divine than that which belongs to the incorporeal. I don't think you got that. Someone who's corporeal, material, made of compound element, elements. His intelligence is more divine than that of angels who are incorporeal. And so it is said of him that his strength is greater than that of the ministering angels. He is more powerful than angels. Because these wow. have no impediment. Angels don't have any impediment like humans do, like sin and so on, and the exercise of their intellect, whereas that which is compound, meaning humans, compound of earth, matter, physicality, material, as well as soul, right? That which is compound is continually impeded. Our compound nature impedes us from understanding perfectly in consequence of material element in its nature. Accordingly, the grade of his intelligence, the Messiah's intelligence, being such as this, he is said to be lofty exceedingly, and his strength to be greater than the angels. And when this servant of the Lord is born, he will continue to be marked by the possession of intelligence. Guys, please listen, because you're going to get floored by this. He will continue to be marked by the possession of intelligence, enabling him to acquire from God what is impossible for any to acquire until he reaches that height, whether none of the sons of men except him no other human except this human, Messiah, have ever ascended. From that day, he'll be counted with his people Israel and will share their subjugation and distress and all their affliction. Now notice what he's quoting. What is he quoting? Isaiah 53.9. 53.9. He will be exceedingly afflicted and because of their being outcasts of, and, and scattered to the ends of the earth, his grief will be such that the color of his countenance will be charged from that of a man and pangs and sicknesses will cease. So he will suffer pain and disease because of his people's distress, right? For great grief, as physicians know, by producing melancholy, depression subjects a man to many diseases and all the chastisements which come upon him. Look, look, chastisements, pain, disease come on him. Why? In consequence of his grief, will be for our sakes. So for our sakes, he gets sick. For our sakes, he gets chastised. For our sakes, he's grieved. 
and not from any deficiency or sin on his part. Not because he's a sinner, because he's not, which might bring punishment in a train, because he is perfect in the completeness of perfection, as Isaiah says, right, 11, 2 following. Truly, all his pains and sicknesses will be for us. And who said it? Rabbi Moshe Kohen Ibn Crispin, 14th century rabbi. Why didn't Ali Atta? Wow. 14th century. Okay. Messiah suffering. Guys, you thought this blew you away. There, God has now left the generation with no excuse. He's given you overwhelming, massive, prophetic, ancient prophecies, historical, archaeological, scientific, medical facts. The God of the Bible is real. The Bible is supernatural. And Jesus is the Lord God who walked this earth. God in the flesh. And he's alive. Amen. This generation has no excuse when they face Jesus in judgment. No Muslim, no Jew, no atheist has excuse anymore. We have too much evidence historically, scientifically, prophetically, archaeologically, medically, to know the Bible is real and the God of the Bible is real and Jesus is alive and death is not the end of us. So you deserve the judgment you get if you still reject. I'm quoting the enemies of Jesus, rabbis who debated Christians, who hated Christianity, who wanted to erase Christianity, admitting that these passages, which the New Testament quotes as about Messiah Jesus, even the rabbis say, yep, it's Messiah, but we still reject Jesus to so their destruction. But I want you to catch something. Only my cat wants to go off. I want you to catch something. Okay. I want you find you it. What passages they cite. I want you to see the passages they cite because you're going to be floored and you're going to really say, if these rabbis still reject Jesus after what they admit, then they deserve the judgment that comes upon them. At least this this guy should have been Christian already. No, he wasn't. But now pay attention because I'm going to go slow. I'm going to go slow. You see why I said let's go up to 400 again, 500 again? We need people to learn this stuff for the glory of Christ. I know it's summer and people are vacationing, but I hope they still come back and watch and learn. Okay. Rabbi Hoshaya said, in the future, Jerusalem will be a lantern for the nations of the world and they'll walk in her light. This right here makes me want to sing for joy. In thy light do we see light. Psalm 36.10. Now, in your Bible, Psalm 36.9. But in the Jewish translation, the versification is different. In thy light, in your light, Jehovah, we see light. Guys, get ready to dance. This is the light of the Messiah. Ooh. This is the light of the Messiah. As it is written, and God saw the light that was good. Right there. You should fall on your knees and glorify Jesus for the admission of the rabbi. Genesis 1-4, the rabbi just said, when God said, let there be light, that was the light of the Messiah that shined in creation. The Messiah's light is what shined in creation and gave life to the earth. But if that doesn't blow you away, according to the rabbi, Psalm 36-9, that light is Messiah's light. But let me show you now. Who that light belongs to. Open up Psalm 36, brother. Now, when you scroll up a little bit, it says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light, right? Mm -hmm. That's the passage Rabbi cited. Now, scroll up slowly up. 
Notice verse 7. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. Notice verse 5. Your love, Lord, Jehovah. Notice verse 6. You, Jehovah. The light here is the light of Jehovah God, not a creature. So it says, in your light, Jehovah, O God, we see light. Now go back to my quote. Go back to my quote. Now notice again, according to the rabbi, in thy light do we see light. I just showed you that's Jehovah. But the rabbi says, that's the light of the Messiah. Did you see the rabbi just said, Jehovah's light is Messiah's light. Messiah's light is Jehovah's light. This is what the rabbi said. Catch it? Now let's continue reading. This teaches us that the Holy One, blessed be He, saw the generation of the Messiah and its deeds prior to the creation of the world. And He hid the light for the Messiah and His generation under His throne of glory. Let's continue reading. Here's where you're going to get really amazed. The rabbis envisioned the conversation between Satan and God about Messiah. Watch here. Satan said, guys, this is rabbis. Pasikta Rabati, Rabati. Everyone pronounce it. Pasikta Rabati, Rabati. Jewish source. I believe that's where we're quoting from. We'll see it in a minute. The rabbis envisioned Satan asking Messiah about the light. Watch here. Satan said before the Holy One, blessed he, blessed be he, master of the world, the light which is hidden under your throne of glory. Who is the destined? He said, for him who will turn you back and disgrace you and shame your face. Boom! <laughs> you get it, bro? Oh, I'm loving it, man. You have no idea. You catching it? Muslims wish the rabbis would say something like this about Muhammad. They would salivate. Okay? Now watch. Let's continue. He said to him, for him who will turn you back and disgrace you and shame your face. He said to the master of the world, Show him to me. Let me see him. He said to him, come and see him. When Satan saw the Messiah, he trembled and fell upon his fate and said, surely this is the Messiah who in the future will cast me and all the princes of the nations of the world into Gehenna. Boom! The Messiah was already alive according to the Jewish source. He was there alive with God by his throne. And he saw him. I don't think you're getting it, guys. Hallelujah, man. You have no idea what you have given me today i don't this, think this. you're getting it guys this rabbinic source says messiah was already alive hidden with god in god's throne and satan saw messiah there alive with god before he had came into the world to become flesh and he goes surely this is the man who's going to throw me in hell let's continue in that hour, the nations became awestruck and said before him, Master of the world. And I skipped some other parts that were not relevant because this is a very lengthy section. Who is he into whose hand we shall fall? <clears throat> what is his name and what is his nature? <clears throat> the Holy One, blessed be he, said to him, His name is Ephraim, my true Messiah. One of the names of Messiah is Ephraim. He will raise his stature and the stature of his generation and will light up the eyes of Israel and will save his people. And no nation and language shall be able to stand against him. All his enemies and adversaries will be affrighted and will flee from him. Even the rivers will cease to flow into the sea. When he created the Messiah, the Holy One, blessed be he, began to tell him the conditions of his future mission. Now watch. 
Messiah already exists. Create is not there. It's implied. They think Messiah is created when he said, let there be light. Be that as it may. <clears throat> it's something the Messiah pre-exists. His coming into the world. And said to him, those who are hidden with you, your generation, their sins will in the future force you into an iron yoke. This is a Jewish source. This Jewish source has God telling Messiah before Messiah enters the world. Their sins will put an iron yoke on you. And they will render you like unto a calf whose eyes have grown dim. And they will choke your spirit with the yoke. And because of their sins, your tongue will cleave to the roof of your mouth. That's Psalm 22, 15 to 17. Do you accept this? Do you catch what God is telling Messiah? Messiah, do you accept their yoke of sin? Because I'm telling you, if you do, the yoke is going to bend you over in pain, making your tongue cleave to your mouth from the pain. Do you accept it? Will you accept suffering for their sin? The Messiah said before the Holy One, blessed be he, master of the world. Will that suffering last for many years? The Holy One, blessed be he, said to him, by your life and the life of my head, it is a septenary, 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 septenary of it that I decreed upon, upon, upon you. But if your soul is troubled, I shall banish them as from this moment. If you don't want to take it, I'll just wipe them out. Now oh. watch what Messiah says. Watch what Messiah says. He said before him, master of the world, with gladness in my soul. And with joy in my heart, I accept it. So that Hallelujah. not a single one of Israel should perish. I accept it so that Israel won't die. And not only those who will be alive should be saved in my days, but even the dead. Because when Messiah comes, many Jews would have already died. But even the dead who have died from the days of Adam, the first man until now, and not only they, but even the stillborn should be saved in my days. And not only the stoneborn, but even those to whose creation you gave thought, but who were not created. This is what I want. This is what I accept. And this is Pesikta Rabati. Wow. 161AB. I didn't invent this. This is a rabbinic Jewish source where Messiah is already alive with God in heaven. He's already there before God's throne. And before he enters the world, God tells them, look, will you take their sins? If not, I'll banish them. I gladly take their sins. This is quoting Psalm 22. It's quoting Psalm 22, verse 15 to 17. Now let's keep reading. They said in the septenary, in the septenary in which the son of David comes, they will bring iron beams and put them upon his back, his neck. Iron beams, put it upon his neck. Until his body bends and he cries and weeps. He cries from the pain. And his voice rises up into the heights. And he says before master of the world. How much can my strength suffer? How much my spirit? How much my soul? How much my limbs? Am I not but flesh and blood? In that hour the Holy One. Blessed be he says to him. Ephraim. My true Messiah. You have already accepted the suffering from the six days of creation. Notice. He was already there when God created the earth in six days. You see it? You already agreed with me during the six days of creation. When you were there with me, you were already alive when I was creating the earth in six days. Now your suffering shall be like my suffering. So Messiah suffers like God. 
forever since the day on which wicked Nebuchadnezzar came up and destroyed my temple and burnt my sanctuary and I exiled my children among the nations of the world by your life and the life of your head. I have not sat on my throne. And if you do not believe me, see the dew that is upon my head, meaning I left my throne to be with my people in captivity. So God is saying, I even abandoned my throne to join my people in captivity to be with them so I can suffer with them. So now you know what it's like to suffer. And that hour, he says before him, master of the world, now my mind is at rest. I'm about to cry. Ah, even though this is fictional, the rabbis are describing Jesus even though they don't realize it. My mind is at rest, for it is sufficient the servant be like his master. Since I'm suffering like you, since you suffer it and I'm now suffering with you, I'm at peace because that means I'm like you. Pesikta Rabati, pages 162a. Now, scroll down, see what else we have. Wow. I think we have more. You really want to scroll down from this passage? Yeah, yeah, keep going. It says the next, hold on, next quotes are even, go up a little more so we can read. Because I want to know, I don't even remember my articles. The next series of quotes are even more interesting in light of the repeated denial of Jewish anti-missionaries. Isaiah 3 is about Messiah, that they deny it. Because watch what we're quoting. Insisting that it's speaking of the sufferings of national Israel. These are interesting because it refutes what these rabbis say. Now, let's read. We're almost done, guys, and this will be it. We buried Ali. We buried his God, we buried his prophet, we buried that homosexual Paul Williams and the rabbis, and Jesus Christ is glorified by the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus lives and the, the Muslims who follow Muhammad will die like Muhammad, end up in hell like Muhammad if they don't repent. The rabbis are dead, and with Muhammad, they're in hell. And any rabbi today who follows their footsteps will be humiliated by Jesus and will deserve the wrath they come if they don't repent. May the Lord Jesus save them or give them what they deserve. Let's continue reading. Amen. Okay, let's go. Rabbi Naftali ben Ashir el Tuler. Okay. He suffered in order that by his sufferings, atonement might be made for the whole of Israel. But I thought Ali Atai, the liar, the son of the devil, says that the idea that Isaiah 53 is talking about a servant making atonement for sin, that's foreign. That's not what it says. Even though that's what it says in Isaiah 53. He suffered in order that by his sufferings, atonement might be made for the whole of Israel. As it is said of the prophet Micah, that the blood issuing from him made atonement for all Israel. <clears throat> the sickness which ought to have fallen upon us, we deserve to get diseased and sick because of our sins, was born by him. He got sick instead of us. The prophet means to say, when the Messiah, son of Joseph, and he's quoting Isaiah 53, by the way, will die. Messiah, son of Joseph, will die between the gates and be a marvel in the eyes of creation. Why must the penalty he bears be so severe? Why does Messiah get punished so severely? That's what he's asking. What is his sin and what is his transgression? Except that he will bear the chastisement of Israel According to the words, Smith of God, Isaiah 53, 4. Wait, wait, wait. I thought Ali said, no Jew interpreted this about Messiah suffering the punishment of Israel's sins and the sins of the world. Others, consider, others consider that the passage speaks of the Messiah who is now with the pains of the world to come as it stands in the Gemara. 
and endures so the sufferings of Israel. And yet we, it is Israel who are speaking, destroying the lie of Tobias Singer that it's the nation speaking in Isaiah. He says, no, Israel is saying in Isaiah, not the nations about Israel, Israel speaking, we, yet we thought, we Israel thought he, the Messiah, had been hate of God. So when God killed him dead, we thought it's because he was wicked. That's exactly what the Jews thought when Jesus was killed, which they still think to this day. See, God killed him. That's what we think. Isaiah said, you're wrong for thinking that. We thought that it had been hated of God. He had been hated of God, but it was not so. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement which was afterwards to secure was upon him. Why is this rabbi applying Isaiah 53, 5 to Messiah. Ramban says, this is another rabbi, that when Moshiach is faced with the revilings of his oppressors, he will give no answer, but keep silent and cease not to entreat for Israel. That's Isaiah 53. So another rabbi applies it to Messiah? Here's his words. Ramban. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, Isaiah 53, 7. For when he first comes, meek and riding upon an ass, the oppressors and officers of every city, by the way, that's Zechariah 9.9 being applied to Messiah. The oppressors and officers of every city will come to him and afflict him with revilings and insults, reproaching both him and the God in whose name he appears, like Moses our master, who when Pharaoh said, I know not the Lord, answered him not. Neither said the God of heaven and earth, will destroy thee quickly, etc., but kept silence. So will, fulfilling Isaiah 53, 7, the Messiah give no answer, but keep silent, and cease, won't stop, entreating, praying for Israel. Bah! What the Rabbonim say about Moshiach. So two rabbis applied Isaiah 53 to Messiah, suffering for Israel and the, and the world. Bah! Do we have any more citations? Yeah, let's see. We have a few more. Okay, good, because I want to finish it. Here you go now. Ah, the Zohar. This is what Emmanuel Shochet was admitting. Emmanuel Shochet said, look, the Midrash, the Talmud and the Zohar apply Isaiah 53 to Messiah. Let's read it. The Zohar states that once it was the rituals and sacrifices that removed diseases from the world. At one time, it was the sacrifices, rituals of the temple that removed our diseases and sicknesses. Watch this. Now it is Moshiach. Before was the sacrifices. Now it's Messiah who removes our diseases spiritually and physically. Zohar, Exodus, Va Yakel, Va Mandis, Va Wa Yakal, Va Yakal. Number two hundred two A. As long as Israel dwelt in the holy holy land, the rituals and sacrifices they performed in the temple removed all those diseases from the world. Now the Messiah removes them from the children of the world. The Yalkut Hadash affirms that while Israel was in the land, they freed themselves from punishments by means of offerings. But now Mashiach frees us from them. Yalkut Hadash, Nun Ted Mishmut. While Israel were in the land, their own land, was in their own land, they freed themselves from sin, such sicknesses, and other punishments by means of offerings. But now, Messiah, the Messiah frees us, frees them from them. 
as it is written, he was wounded for our transgressions. Isaiah 53, 5. Hey, Yalkut Hadash, why are you apply applying Isaiah 53, 5 to Messiah? What's the matter with you? Didn't you hear what Ali Atai said? Midrash Asirat, Midrash Asirat, Holy Spirit, have mercy on my tongue and loosen it, save it from stammering. Memrod informs us, informs us that Moshiach, Mashiach will make his soul a Qurban Asham. That's Isaiah 53.10. Messiah will offer his soul, his life, as a guilt offering, a guilt sacrifice. That's Isaiah 53.10. According as it is written, Isaiah 53.10. Midrash Asirit Mamrot. The Messiah, in order to atone for them, both for Adam and David, will make his soul a trespass offering. Isaiah 53.10. As it is written next to the parasha, Behold my servant. Isaiah 53.12. So they're applying Isaiah 53.10 and 53.12 to Messiah? No, this is the translator. In this Midrash above, the word used for trespass offering that Mashiach would make of his soul is the same word in Hebrew, asham, used over and over in Leviticus when the Kohen, the priest, would offer a korban asham, a guilt offering on the misbiach, misbiach, misbiach altar. The famous second century, guys, second century, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai sees Mashiach in a remarkable light. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, second century after Christ. The meaning of the words, bruised for our iniquities, Isaiah 53, 5, is that since the Messiah bears our iniquities, what? Messiah thought it was Jeremiah, dude. I thought it was the nation, dude. Bears our iniquities, which produce the effect of his being bruised. It follows that whoso will not admit that the Messiah thus suffers for iniquities, must endure and suffer for them himself. Crazy, man. This is this is awesome. I'm amazed that this is written in their own scriptures. Second century. Is this the end of this citation? No, brother. We, got we have much more. Okay, keep going, brother. We're not finishing. Man, Again. it's... it's... Go ahead, you are saying? No, it's, it's mind-boggling that I, I never thought that in the Jewish rabbinic scriptures, uh, this is how much information there would be about Messiah. Yeah, Yet they will... Rabbis hide it from you. But Jesus, our Lord brings rabbis out of Judaism to worship Jesus, and then they reveal this to us. The idea that it was the righteous, the idea that it was the righteous. Okay, if you go, hold on one second, brother. Let me just do this. The idea that it was the righteous in Israel suffering because of Gentile persecution against them. This is the translator of these rabbinic sources. Gained popularity after Rashi. So, there were some who believed it, but it became more popular after Rashi. In his biblical commentary, said it was so. Radak followed suit, followed Rashi, as did Ibn Ezra. On the other hand, even after this time, Rashi, we have a great Jewish thinker like Rambam, who assigned Isaiah 53 to Mashiach, finding the description of him there. Moshe Ibn Crispin, the one I read earlier about Isaiah 52, lends his voice to that of Rambam, and feels that anyone, now notice these two rabbis, even after Rashi made this interpretation, it's about Israel, popular. What did Moshe Ibn Crispin said? 
he lends his voice rabbi and rambam and feels that anyone who said the passage referred to israel is giving the text an unnatural reading that's not the right natural reading here's what they say rambam in his igirit timan igarit timan letter to yemen rambam letter to yemen what is the man manner of messiah's advent thou canst not know this so far as it is as it to be said of him that he is the son of such a one and is such of such and such a family there shall rise up one of whom none have known before and the signs and wonders which they shall see performed by him like jesus did will be the proofs of his true origin that's what jesus did for the almighty where he declares to us his mind upon the matter says behold the man whose name is the branch and shall branch forth out of his place so here the rabbi mid zechariah 6 12 is about messiah and isaiah speaks similarly of the time when he will appear without his father or mother or family being known he came up as a sucker before him and as a root out of dry earth etc isaiah 53 2. i want to remember that quote he just applied isaiah 53 2 to the mysterious origins of messiah he says isaiah 53 2 tells us messiah will spring forth from mysterious origins whose parents no one will know so he just applied isaiah 53 about messiah but the unique phenomenon attending his manifestation is that all the kings of the earth will be thrown into terror at the fame of him that they will lay their hands upon their mouth in the words of isaiah now notice what he quotes when describing the manner in which the kings will hearken to him at him kings will shut their mouth for that which had not been told them have they seen and that which they have not heard they have perceived this rabbi ap applied isaiah 52 15 isaiah 53 2 and zechariah 6 12 to messiah not to the nation moshe kohen ibn crispin complains that some avoiding the natural literal interpretation of the text have said that the prophet Isaiah speaks here collectively of Israel, like Tobias Singer and like Ali Atai. Notice what Moshe Cohen Ibn Crispin says. The expression, my servant, Isaiah 52, 13. They compare rashly, like Tobias Singer does. They compare with Isaiah 41, 8. Thou, Israel, art my servant, where the prophet is speaking of Israel, which would be singular. Here, however, he does not mention Israel. But simply says, my servant, we cannot therefore understand the word in the same sense. Again, in 41.8, he addresses the whole nation by the name of their father, Israel, or Jacob, as he continues, Jacob, whom I have chosen. There's a typo there. But here he says, my servant alone, and uniformly applies the singular. And as there is no cause, there is no cause constraining us to do so. Why should we here interpret the word collectively, meaning for the whole nation, and thereby distort the passage from its natural sense? Boom! Moshe Cohen Ibn Crispin says, the natural meaning of Isaiah 52 is referring to one person, Messiah, unlike Isaiah 41, where the context is clear. It's speaking of the nation, Israel. See what he said? Now let's continue see what he says. As then it seemed to me, that the doors of the literal interpretation of the parasha were shut in their face. That the plain meaning was kept from them. 
and that they wearied themselves to find the entrance, having forsaken the knowledge of our teachers. Boom! You who say it's about the nation, you forsook what our teachers before us saw and said. The teachers before us said, this is about Messiah, not the nation. Bye-bye, Tovia. Moshe, Moshe Cohen Ibn Crispin continues, saying that to interpret this passage of Israel and not Mashiach is forced and far-fetched. Desperate. Here he goes. Moshe Cohen Ibn Crispin. I am pleased to interpret it in accordance with the teaching of our rabbis of the King Messiah. I am pleased to explain Isaiah 52:53 in agreement, in accordance with the rabbis before us who all taught this is about King Messiah and will be careful so far as I am able to adhere to the literal sense. Thus possibly I shall be free from the forced and far fetched interpretations of which others have been guilty. This prophecy was delivered by Isaiah at the divine command for the purpose of making known to us something about the nature of the Messiah who is to come to deliver Israel and his life for the day when he arrives at discretion until his advent as a redeemer in order that if anyone arrives claiming himself to be the Messiah, we may reflect and look to see whether we can observe in him any resemblance that then we may believe that he is the Messiah, our righteousness. So notice, he says Isaiah 52, 53 is given so we can know the real Messiah. Because the real Messiah will do what Isaiah 52, 53 says he'll do. Hold on. That's Jesus. Jesus was killed for the sins of his people and the world. And God raised him in vindication and exalted him to heaven where he'll return physically, bodily to judge the living and the dead. And yet they still reject Messiah. Are we done with the article, brother? No, brother. We have so much. Get out of here, man. There we go. Rabbi Nap something. Okay, can you, you scroll did. down a little bit? I want to see how far we're going to go. Because I don't want to end it without reading these quotations. I won't need to write Michael Brown because he's simply summing up all these citations I already read. You can go to my articles, upload them, translate them, do YouTube sessions out of them. Right? Do what you want. Use information. To silence these blasphemers who blaspheme Jesus to their shame, humiliation. So let's end it with this. Rabbi Naftali ben Ashir al-Shuler expresses his surprise that Rashi and Rabbi David Kimchi also do not apply Isaiah 52, 13 through chapter 53 of Moshiach. Now, what the author is showing you is there are rabbis who disagree with Rashi and David Kimchi and others like Ibn Ezra who said Isaiah 53 is about the nation. These rabbis say, no, it's not about the nation. It's about Messiah. Not only did Moshe, Ibn Crispin disagree, so did Rabbi Naphtali ben Ashir al-Chuler. Notice what he says. I will now proceed to explain these verses of our own Messiah, who God willing will come speedily in our days. I am surprised, I am surprised that Rashi and Rabbi David Kimchi have not, with the Targum, applied them to the Messiah likewise. Even the Aramaic paraphrase applies certain parts of this to the Messiah. So what did the Rabbi Al-Chuler say? I am surprised that Rashi and David Kimchi did not apply to the Messiah. No kidding, buddy. Rabbi Al-Chuler then gives his reasoning for referring these verses to Mashiach. Rabbi Naftali Al-Chuler continues. The prophet says he shall buy, she shall be high and exalted and lofty. 
expressing the idea under various forms in order to indicate that his exaltation will be something extraordinary. It is a proof that the parasha refers to our Messiah. See, this proves this exaltation can't be about Israel. It's about Messiah. That alluding to the future deliverance, the prophet said before, break forth into joy, you waste places of Jerusalem, and how beautiful on the mountains, etc. And immediately afterwards continues, behold, my servant shall prosper, etc. Now, Rabbi Moshe al-Sheikh, interpreting this passage of Mashiach, reminds us that our rabbis with one voice, this rabbi says, the rabbis with one voice refer to Mashiach also. Notice what this rabbi says. Rabbi Moshe al-Sheikh, I therefore in my humility am come after them, the commentators, not with any sense of wisdom I'm about to utter, but merely with the object of applying to its elucidation, meaning its meaning, a straightforward method in accord with the literal sense of the text. And what's the literal sense of the text? I may remark then that our rabbis with one voice, let me repeat it three times, our rabbis with one voice, Ali, you wicked liar, our rabbis with one voice accept and affirm the opinion that the prophet is speaking of the king Messiah. Accept and affirm, all the rabbis, one voice, accept and affirm the opinion that the prophet is speaking of the king Messiah. Who? King Messiah. And shall ourselves adhere to the same view. We are the champions, my friends. Our time is up. Amen. Amen. I always understood that there are very little about Messiah in the Jewish rabbinic scripture. It's mostly about against Messiah, but these six articles that you have written, it's just, man, it's just awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for for you, for giving you to the Amen. to the body that uh, right, right. And pray, Jesus, will constrain us in our anger, so we don't sin against the Lord Jesus in our anger or blaspheme Him in our anger, because I don't give a damn what these people think of me, as long as the Holy Spirit is not displeased with me.